0: Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Hello everyone and welcome once again to our online platform. It's always a pleasure that we can meet together. Despite everything that's going on, we've heard the announcement from the president concerning the restrictions that we still have to maintain. And so we're coming to you through this medium, but we are very convicted and we believe that God is able to reach you even in this way because there's no distance in the spirit. There's no barrier in the realm of the spirit. And so I also want to let you know for those who joining us, the limits are still 50 per service, so you want to come early if you're joining us either for the 8.30 or 10.30 or for the evening service at 6 o'clock. Yeah, with regards to COVID-19 and everything that's going on, once again, the message that we've been sharing with you every time is that the Word of God is medicine, that you remain in the Word of God, that you make sure that fear doesn't capture your heart, and that you continue to take care of your family in terms of precautions, wash your hands, etc etc. And then I just want to also emphasize one of the announcements that uh, were up earlier on and this is the men's prayer meeting. Every first Monday of every month only the men will be meeting at the church for intercession and I want to encourage every single one of you men out there if you believe that this is your church come and pray. We believe that God is going to encounter many men. Some of the prophetic revelation that has been shared already relates to how the spirits outpouring in among the men is going to be enhanced and started in these meetings so i want to encourage you to join us and whatever god has on his heart he is going to do in those times so i'm going to pray for us and then we're going to get into the message father in the name of jesus thank you lord that your word this morning is going to liberate is going to set people free is going to bring grace and blessing in every area where we need to grow i thank you for revelation and i thank you lord for freedom in every area. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, we started with a new series called Relationships, and uh, Philip shared a powerful message uh, titled, We Should All Be Single. And it was really an amazing revelation from the scripture about the importance of our devotion to Christ in the context of relationships and the importance of that priority, that our relationship with Jesus has Primacy; It has supremacy over every other relationship. And it was a wonderful message. Please, if you haven't picked up on that message, please go back and follow up on that. Today, we're doing part two of the message on relationships, and the title is... We should all be married. And this is awesome because, you know, before we actually came together and arranged this, we didn't necessarily work on this title, but the emphasis that we should all be single and then the following emphasis that we should all be married is definitely a confirmation that God is emphasizing not only your singleness, but also your marriage and also the devotion that you should have in each of this. So today... You know, it doesn't matter whatever your relationship status, whether you be single or in a relationship or whether it's complicated or whether you're married or whatnot, whatever the situation, we believe that today this message will speak to you. So what's really important is that we always need to understand that God, the creator, doesn't do things just haphazardly. Everything that God does is on purpose and deliberate and with insight and with great wisdom. And marriage is very much like that. There's so many voices today speaking about what marriage is, defining marriage and all of that. But we must always go back to the foundation of society and that is the design and the will and the purpose of the creator. When marriage was instituted, it was instituted between one man and one woman. And there are many discussions nowadays about the benefits of polygamy and polyamory and all those other kinds of relationships but if we're talking about marriage from the perspective of truth it can only be between one man and one woman in a covenant before almighty god and so that is the definition that we are uh, attaching and and that is the definition of marriage that brings blessing in society all other definitions are are, are a far cry from one God intends. And whenever we deviate from God's design, we always have negative consequences, unintended consequences. I'm reading here today in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 2 through to verse 4 relating to the importance of understanding that the church of Jesus Christ is actually revealed as a bride. And the scriptures have this concept coming through that marriage is actually a parable between Christ of Christ and his bride. And you will understand why our title today is that we should all be married. And the marriage that I'm referring to here is our marriage with Christ as a church. It says here from verse two, for I feel a divine jealousy for you. This is the apostle Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. Since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin, a bride to Christ. Verse three, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve, even in marriages still today, that is happening, that kind of deception, As the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, by his deception, by his trickery, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Verse 4. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. So this is the first point. Every believer is married to Christ as the church. Verse 2 of that scripture says, For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you. Since uh, you became engaged to one husband to to present you as a pure virgin, a bride to Christ. And when we come into relationship with Jesus, we're coming into a relationship that is exclusive. The word here speaks of a divine jealousy. The word of God says that God is a jealous God. It relates to the the passion, the feeling of a husband towards a wife and the the feelings of jealousy which, which point to an exclusivity which is demanded of this relationship. And even in our relationship with God, there cannot be any other devotion that is higher than our devotion to Christ. And this is why the commandment says you shall have no other God before me because our God is a jealous God. And so in the same way, our relationship with Jesus has these elements of 100% devotion. In the same way that a marriage should not have any other person that takes the place of the spouse, so also Christ to us is the number one priority. And we, in our relationship with Jesus, begin to see elements of a marriage relationship in the way that he relates to us and in In the way that the church then responds to the groom, Jesus Christ. This is so essential. Most of us in our relationship with God, we have it almost as if we are not married. We are almost in a dating relationship with Jesus, almost in a place where we're, we're, we're spending a little bit of time and some of his interests we give attention to, but it's not a full devotion. And I'm here to share with us today that the importance of this is that it will have an impact on your marriage if you get married and your devotion to Christ is substandard. And many times we we heard last week's message about the importance of having that devotion, number one devotion to Christ, as if you're not married. Even in the context when you're married, because even your spouse is not supposed to take that first place. Uh, we've heard many times a minister speaking about how when they got married, they sat their spouse down and told them, look, I am marrying you because I love you. You are the most important person of my life. After Jesus. And that is a very important principle to have. I'm reading here from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 33. And you'll see from this scripture, it will, it will highlight to us that the relationship that we have in marriage is actually a derivative. It's actually taking its guidance from a relationship that the church has with the Lord Jesus Christ. It says here in Ephesians chapter five, verse twenty-two: Wives, submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord. And this is the gold standard. If you look at Ephesians chapter five, this is the gold standard when it comes to marriage and principle. As your own, uh, submit, wives, submit to your own husbands. As to the Lord, you see that comparison there. Then verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior, the savior, the hero of the wife. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So that means if you're a wife, if you're married today, and you don't understand what it means to submit to Christ, you will never be able to understand what it means to submit to a husband. And the standard is high. I know that we're speaking in a context today where marriage almost is equal to or submission is equal to abuse. And we will get to the scripture now that paints the picture of a relationship that should be free from fear, that should be free from oppression, that should be free from abuse, and it should be filled with trust and love. We go on to verse 25, speaking to the husbands now. So wives, you, you submit, and the way that you submit to your husband should be based on your submission or the church's submission to Christ. This is massive. Then it goes to the husbands, and many times husbands have an approach where their love is conditional. But look here, in verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives... As Christ loved the church. Now, if the husband doesn't know how Christ loved the church, how on earth is he going to fulfill this? And gave himself up for her, verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Meaning, it's the husband's role to make sure that his love towards his wife sanctifies and purifies her so much in his own eyes that she is perfect to him. I'm telling you now that the church, in the way that she is, is not entirely perfect to Christ from the outward appearance, but from what Christ has done for her, she is completely sanctified and pure and spotless to him. Verse 28, in the same way, consider that. We're making the comparison to say, if you're in a marriage and you don't understand the marriage between Christ and his bride, then you will never be able to apply it at home. It says, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. This is why we must all be married first to Christ, and then only can we be married to our spouse in the right way. Verse 30, because we are members of his body, look at the union between husband and wife. The church are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And verse 32 says this, this mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Marriage is actually about Christ and his bride The better you understand that The better your revelation of your marriage on earth It's not about how she is towards you It's not about how he is towards you It's about how Christ is towards his bride And how the bride of Christ, the church Should be towards the Lord Jesus Christ Verse 33, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is massive. What should the wife do? Submit and respect your husband. What should the husband do? Love your wife. But should it be based on your emotions and based on your personality and based on your love language and should it be based on your preference? No, it should be based on Christ. And his bride and their relationship. So point number two is this. The better your marriage to Christ, the better your marriage to your spouse. If you have a terrible relationship with Jesus, then your relationship with your spouse is going to definitely suffer. It is from our relationship with Christ that we understand the difficulties as men the difficulties and challenges of submission. We understand what it's like to submit under someone, even when we don't feel like it, to do it regardless because he is Lord. He is our husband. In the same way, we understand that when our wives have to do it. It is from Christ that we understand the sacrificial love, the love that is for someone who who has betrayed you, for a wife that has been unfaithful, and that is the way that we are to love our wives. And let me say this, that when we when we do weddings at church and we marry people, we, we pray that the grace of God will flow from the relationship that we have with Christ into this marriage so that we're not doing this in our own strength, but the capacity to love in that way, in that shocking, dramatic way, in that that way that costs a man his life. And the way the the submission that that is deservant of Christ comes only because of what's flowing in Christ and in the church. This mystery, verse 32, this mystery is profound. I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You know, and many times we have this approach to relationships and we have this approach to marriage that is very much based on the external. For the guys, they work on their physique or they work on their intellect or their sense of humor or their, their ability to smooth talk and their flattery and all of that or, with the, or, or their money and all of that. And with the woman, they look on the outward appearance, make sure that the makeup is there and the weave is there and all of those things. All of that is superficial garbage. Most of the time we come into a marriage not even knowing what's on the inside of the cup. We love the outside. It's clean. But the inside might be poisonous. And it is so important that you understand that marriage is not just about making a beautiful picture. It's not just about that. Marriage is a parable. You are used by the Spirit of God on the earth to tell the story of Christ and his bride. This is the purpose of marriage. And if you have not committed to that level to say that when I get married, this is what I'm committing to, don't get married. Don't get married. If you're not in a place where you're willing to love a wife to the point where you sacrifice yourself, don't marry her. If you're not willing to, to submit to somebody and to, to respect them, why marry them? Leave them to be married to someone who will. Many times I see many couples coming to the altar, they say, yes, I do, I, uh, in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer, till death do us part. I do, I do, and the tears are there, and they are shaking and all of that. It's just emotions, like that song. (laughs) Just emotions taking over, and emotions will be fleeting. I'm telling you, that guy's muscles might be there, but it might be the very muscles that cause him to be violent. That woman might be beautiful, but it might be the very beauty that causes her to be unfaithful. What is the point of beauty? What is the point of attraction and handsomeness if the heart is rotten and spoiled? And we learn this in our relationship with Christ, our devotion, that the love of Christ is transformative and we come into marriage not to take, but to be a blessing. As a husband, You know your place. As a wife, you know your role. You are not there for your own happiness. You are there for the happiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. If it is that your first devotion is for him. I want to read here from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 to 8. Similar scriptures. The one from Paul, the other one from the apostle Peter. Because some of you might say, yeah, Paul wasn't married. Well, Peter was married. And he says very similar things. This is what he says, verse 3. Likewise, wives. And it's interesting, they always start with the wives. Anyway. Wise, be subject to your husband. This is not a matter of, uh, how can I say, many times this idea of submission is based on agreement. It's not. Make your decision at the altar as to whether you will submit to this husband, whether you will respect them. It doesn't mean that you always do what your husband tells you to do exactly. No, that's not what it means. In your heart, the way you submit to him is in valuing the role that he has in your life. He is the head of the home. He's the head of the family. And then it says, be subject to your own husband so that even if some do not obey the word, consider this, even if they're not saved, They may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see you respectful and pure, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Verse three, do not let your adorning, your beauty be external. The braiding of hair, the weave, (laughs) the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing that you wear. But let your adorning, let your beauty be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy woman who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. A woman who does not submit to her husband is an ugly woman. (laughs) As beautiful as she might be on the outside. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him... Lord, (laughs) and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Verse 7, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. This means, understanding it means you must have insight into what women are like so that you treat her with care and sensitivity. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, this is important. When you become one flesh with your spouse, you are going to begin to receive from God together. And many times you'll want to receive on your own, but there's a hindrance to that because of your union. This is why you must be careful who you marry. And the next part says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that the woman that you married and the way that you treat her could be the reason why your prayers have not been answered, why you haven't been able to pray the way that you should? So this is the third point. Don't hinder your prayers. Be faithful in your marriage. The word of God is very clear about the expectation from husbands, very clear about the expectations from wives. Why don't we do it? Because we lack our devotion to Jesus Christ. If our first devotion, our first marriage to Jesus Christ is in order, for the sake of Christ, I will love my wife, even if she doesn't deserve it. For the sake of Christ, I will respect my husband, even if he doesn't deserve it. For the sake of Christ, for the sake of my marriage, my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ— For that sake, for that reason, I will be the spouse that God has called me to be. And we go on here to Malachi, and I want to emphasize this part here. It says in Malachi chapter 2, verse 13 to 16. Here is another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. This is what the prophet said. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Verse 15. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and in spirit you are his. And what does he want? godly children from your union. So guard your heart and remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Verse 16. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. Let me read that again. It's in the scriptures. For I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. For I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. This is something that God hates to divorce your wife or Your spouse is to overwhelm them with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart and do not be unfaithful to your wife. This is incredible. You know, many times you see many Christians... At the point where they have now determined that these vows that they made before God till death was part in sickness and in health for rich or poorer, in good times and in bad, are no longer worthy of their lives. Are you, are you kidding me? And, and this is the test as to whether you have a true devotion to Jesus. It is only because your relationship with Jesus is wrong that you are able to make vows the one day before God Almighty, before the same Jesus, and lie in his face about your devotion to your spouse and then turn around the next day and file them divorce papers. And this is something that I'm very passionate about. You know, Many times people say, no, but what if the husband is abusive? Report him to the police, get him arrested, and then visit him in prison. That is what a devoted wife or husband should do. Because it's not just the, the, the wives that get uh, abused. The husbands also get abused. So this is it. We must understand, especially for this church. Please understand. If you are part of our church, you must understand that we stand with God when it comes to divorce. I read the headline this past week in the newspaper. And this is what it read cheaper divorce on the cards and the subtitle says MPs or members of parliament to debate bill as cases shoot up. So this is what they're proposing as a solution to high divorce cases. Make it cheaper. And what's going to happen? More divorce. If it's cheaper, it's easier, more divorces will take place. And what happens with divorce? Broken families. What happens in broken families? Exposed children. What happens with exposed children? More abuse. A cycle of destruction that is entering our country. That's entering our nation. And you might say, yeah, but those are old, old-fashioned beliefs. Okay. Okay. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he hated divorce back then, then he hates divorce today. He said what God has put together, let no man separate. Not even a judge of the high court has the right to do that. You know, divorce doesn't start two, three years down the line in your marriage. It starts before you get married. It starts when you said yes to Jesus It starts in the manner in which you relate with the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you unfaithful to your spouse? Well, you are unfaithful to Christ first. Are you willing to divorce your spouse? You're willing to divorce Christ first. Are you willing not to love your wife? You're willing not to love Christ first. You're willing not to respect your husband, not to submit to him. You're willing not to respect Christ first. Where is this command coming from? Saying, love your wife as I love the church, as I loved you. Submit to your husband, even as the church submits to me. All these are coming from Christ. This is why it's so important that we understand, first and foremost, we are married to Jesus. And that relationship is a covenant relationship. He promised, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In the same way, once we understand that we are married to Christ, our quality, the quality of our relationship with Jesus, will determine the quality of our marriage and the quality of our parenting and the quality of our witness in our communities. And then we'll come to a place where we'll be able to have our prayers unhindered. Many times, the way that we're treating our spouse is what's hindering us. In the beginning, we read about how Satan came in and deceived Eve. And this is what he told Eve. He said, did God really say? Did God really say that marriage is only between a man and a woman? Can't two men be married? Can't two women be married and raise kids like that? Did God really say that divorce is out of line, even in the time when things are going bad? Did God really say that he is going to help you in your marriage? And Satan comes and accuses your spouse against you. And Satan comes and accuses God against you. And then we begin to follow. And we carry our ring on the one week. And the next week we're willing to toss it in God's face. I feel very passionate about this. You know my own my own self. I've been married now. It's been about 12 years that we've been married and it hasn't been simple roses and and honeymoon cream every day. But the reason why we remain together, the reason why we grow in character and grow in love and continue to usher our children into kingdom is because of that first relationship with Jesus Christ, nothing else. It's not because of our cultural backgrounds. It's not because uncles and aunts or pastors have, have advised us. We've even seen ministers going to divorce. Even preachers are now justifying this. It is evil. It is wrong. And the repercussions are severe. I was speaking to a friend of mine the other day, and he said, Well, maybe then it's better to not get married, which goes back to last week's message, which is entirely true. If that's the case, rather don't get married. But then don't be sleeping around and saying, no, it's better to (laughs) sleep around because your devotion to Christ should be in your singleness as well. Remember last week's message on holiness. But if you're going to get married, this is the standard. And why am I raising the bar so high? So that you understand that it's not by might. It's not by power, but by the Spirit of God. You might be today in a marriage that is bitter and painful. I want to encourage you. Work on your relationship with Jesus. You might be in a place where your wife talks back to you and embarrasses you in front of your family and friends and, and she's a scourge and she, she's, she's a terrible wife, so to speak. Go to your relationship with Jesus. Because if you start mistreating her, even your prayers, Lord, change this woman, they are not working. And you are allowing the enemy an open door to destroy not only your marriage, but also your children. I was talking to a friend the other day and asking them the trend that we are taking as a society where we are now defining a man to be a woman and a man, a woman can be a man and it's all blurring all the foundations, The line. are we ever going to get to a place where our society can be restored to a place where it is normal to have mom and dad loving each other in a home with children? Back in the day, to have someone from a divorced family in your school was the exception. Everyone would know that child there and that child there, they're from a broken home. Today, if you're from a home where both parents are still together, it is almost archaic. It is almost, why are they together if if they don't love each other? And and these are the foolish questions that start coming up. Oh man, that saith the Spirit of God. I hate divorce. Please stop it. I'm a witness in your marriage. There's a song that was going on when, when we were growing up. God is watching us God, from a distance. That whole song. <laughs> it is true. And God is very passionate about this. In Malachi, he speaks. He says, I hate divorce. I hate it. And you might be in a place where you hate your husband more than you hate divorce. Do you love God? Are you in a place where you can trust him? God is able to take even the marriage where the husband or the wife is not fulfilling the word. It says that by your conduct, God will begin to change the marriage because of you. Give him a chance. Open your heart. Begin to open your heart to this. We've just recently started rekindling the marriage ministry. There's so many avenues where God can touch your marriage. There's no excuse to have a terrible marriage not while the Word of God and the Spirit of God is on your side. I see in my heart there's a, a couple you actually fight physically and the Spirit of God is speaking to you today and saying you need to stop that repent in your heart and I'm gonna do something new in your life. There's some of you you're single and you're saying whoa I'm, I, I don't know if I want to get married if that's the case. consider, Consider your promise consider your promise that you have to make to God before many witnesses you know for me it's an exciting thing to do weddings I love doing weddings you know I love seeing the union of one uh, a man and a woman coming together and and making vows before holy God in front of everybody but you know when people want to get divorced they usually do it very secretly if you want to get divorced call all of us call all of us that were at the wedding you know, put up a meal let's, let's do it properly, you know let everyone have outfits, let the bridesmaids come with their, with their color coordination and let's do this thing properly and I'm speaking foolishly just to make the point to say that this is hateful this is completely something that is an agenda of the enemy I see someone there, you are divorced and you are saying, yeah, I made a mistake I realized that it was wrong I need to now go back, or not? No. But you must realize that you must repent of this. It wasn't something fashionable. It's not what we do nowadays and all of that. It's wrong. It's completely wrong. There are some of us, we're attorneys and we facilitate, we facilitate, um, what do you call it, divorces. Actually make money from it. Can you imagine? (laughs) I know it's a profession, it's legit, but I don't think you should build your life on the destruction of families. Make your decision today. And all of this is coming from our pure devotion to one, and his name is Jesus. It's only Jesus that is able to bring beauty into ashes. If your house has burned down, your marriage has burned down, you're in a place of hopelessness. Every day you curse one another out. Every day it's abuse. Every day it's pain. Today, I prophesy to you, that if you open your heart and work on your relationship with Jesus first, God is able to do a miracle in you and in your spouse. When someone is there and saying, Yeah, Lord, this message is for my spouse. It's for you. <laughs> Stop looking at your spouse. That's a problem. That's why you have problems in your marriage. Stop looking at your spouse. Everyone has their own splinter. You can't help the splinter out of someone's eye if you have a log in your own. Every husband must consider their own life. Every wife, consider yourself and make things right in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And then come and husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church. Give yourself up for her, whether she deserves it or not. Give yourself up for her. Do everything that she needs. Take care of her. Take care of her. And wives... Honor your husband, respect him in the way that you talk to him, in the way that you support him, in the way that you pray for him. Be submissive in your approach. Don't be a renegade. Don't be a Jezebel to the man. Be submissive. Don't climb over his authority. He is the head. He is God's grace that is supposed to flow to your family. You curse him, you live under a curse. And this is my encouragement to us. And so for those of you who are planning on getting married, please consider this message as a strong warning (laughs) so that you count the cost, so that when you come to the altar, you haven't just prepared for the the potato salad, but that you've prepared for life and that you're making an I do and saying, I take this man, I take this woman to be my lawfully wedded husband, my lawfully wedded wife, to have and to hold in sickness and in health. For richer or poorer, in good times and in bad times, till death do us part. And that that will not be a lie on your wedding day, but that you will always have that as your devotion, not only to your spouse, but to your first husband, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for us. I pray for us as a nation, O God, where we are going where we are calling for divorce and the destruction of the family unit. Father, I pray that you give us the grace of repentance. Lord. I pray that leaders will begin to hear these messages and understand that they were raised in a home with a mother and father, that they are not to promote the destruction of families, Lord, that there are other ways to restore families. Lord. I pray, Lord, for those who are in difficult marriages today, that they will repent in the area where they are being spoken to by the Spirit, right? I pray, Lord, for those who have gone through a divorce, those who are regretting who are holding the pieces of a broken marriage. Father, I pray right now for healing and restoration in their lives, that Jesus Christ will be Lord again in their hearts. I pray for those who are not married, who are considering marriage. I pray, Lord, that even though they are burning with passion and they desire to get married, that they will understand what they are committing to and that they will not two years down the line come back with papers of divorce because God hates it. And so I pray, Lord, for grace and wisdom to be released today, Lord, in every situation, Father God. We pray for the miraculous power of the Holy Ghost that changes situations that are impossible, Lord God. We pray for faith to rise up in people's hearts and say that I'm not going to bail out because God can do something if I'm willing to believe him. And so I thank you, Lord, for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Men, please join us at our prayer meeting tomorrow. We're going to be touching some of these things. Sometimes your marriage is a mess because you haven't ever prayed for it even once. I want to encourage you to join us. But for the rest of us, have a wonderful, 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 blessed week. And may the Lord continue to out His grace on your family, on your marriage, and on your home. Be blessed. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.